I love sitting down with people and asking questions. I love finding out who they are, their full story, how God has been faithful to them, and what's on their hearts. And I feel like conversations are such a gift. And so here at Tehila, we want to sit down with people that you might see on the regular at Tehila Monday and ask them questions. We want to hear from them, find out about God's goodness in their lives, find out about their stories, and just actually really be encouraged by them. We hope that you enjoy these podcasts. And if you do, we'd encourage you to share it with your friends and family. So let's celebrate people's stories. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, Angel. Good morning, Angela. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for joining us on Tehila Talks. <laughs> for sure. Thank you for inviting me. It's a beautiful morning and great yeah. chance to talk. <laughs> yeah, it is actually really nice outside. Um, how's your weekend? Um, my weekend was really good. It was beautiful weather, um, aside from, you know, the storms that were happening, but <laughs> I stayed inside for most of it, so sheltered myself from that. Had some friends over. Yeah, nice. very relaxing. And how about yourself? Yeah, it was actually a really low-key weekend, which was great. I read, I watched, I have found this new um, medical documentary on Netflix, and so I'm, like, in 100%, so... No, this is called Lenox Hill. So it's okay. um, this hospital in New York City. And yeah, it's just, I like medical shows, so it's good. Um, yeah, so I actually wanted to talk to you, one, because I think you are amazing. You have so much wisdom and things to offer people to, that are listening. But I also, um, I think I've seen you um, grow up the last seven years from church, mm -hmm. um, from being someone who is in youth to serving at youth, serving on the worship team, basically serving every area of the church, and now working at the church as the graphics extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wanted to ask you, um, was it hard to transition from like that volunteer attendee role to actually being on staff at a church? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think so, especially because I was young. Um, that was the one thing that was just very uncomfortable for me. Um, but it wasn't to say that uh, anybody in the work environment made it so. I felt very, very encouraged. I just remember even like going home and telling my mom, I'm like, people are actually so nice here. Like <laughs> this doesn't happen in any other job I'll ever have. Why do people leave? Like people are so nice and so gracious. And, um, but I did feel a lot of security with being so young. Even the people, when I, when I first started working at the church, I worked in admin and for youth and young adults and, um, you know, just like working with volunteers and with leaders who were significantly older than me, not being that much older than myself to like other students that were younger than me. Um, I grew up in at the first assembly. Everybody that had did the role that I did was like always like in their mid twenties. So I, I just felt like there's only so much I could do, but that nothing that would be able to make up for like wisdom or experience with being more mature. Um, mm -hmm. But that was not, that wasn't anybody's fault. It was very much so just my um, insecurity. But one thing I just, I really did learn is that, yeah, like regardless of your age, it really does not make you incapable because God himself makes you capable of anything that he, 
Um, yeah. So that was that was very much so affirmed for me. And then also just uh, the all the other jobs I worked in beforehand were like, you know, retail jobs. And anytime you do customer service, you're not really involved with like or managing volunteers or anything like that. So a lot of this stuff I remember when I was younger would just go over my head. It's like, um, I'm sure you remember these when we would sit down and we would have like budget meetings or mm-hmm. uh, our executive director would present reports for the month. I would just be like, what the heck? Oh, I'm still like that. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. So it helped me learn how to adult really quick. Um, yeah. Um, have you um, found, like, I know back in the day as a woman working at the church or being in ministry at the church was kind of, um, years ago, was probably groundbreaking. Do you feel like there's still a lot of growth in that area? Or do you feel like um, as a woman working at the church and in ministry, because you do minister as well, um, do you feel like welcomed? Do you feel as though it's still things that we need to make headway with? That's a really good question as well. Um, I guess I I I grew up with um, okay. I grew up in the church, so if this wasn't like a new environment or community for me, and I spent half of my life in Africa, and uh, there I had a lot of like women to look to who served in ministry and in all sorts of. Uh, roles and positions, whether it be pastorally or administratively or, and um, just women leading in, in ministry. So I, I never thought any, um, that, 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 that was not a, a place that like women didn't have opportunity for it. I didn't know of a lot of the theological arguments for it. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I wouldn't say actually it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I was made aware that this is very hit and miss depending um which, you know, fellowship or congregation you're a part of. Um, I think First Assembly has uh, come a long way and very much so is for women leadership and women in ministry and women uh, leading alongside other women and men. And um, I know that is what we fight for. I was also very fortunate enough to sit under leadership of James Clarence, which you've experienced as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, he's a huge, huge advocate for that. He, he sees the gap, but it, it took a lot of hard conversations to get there. Um, yeah. I remember a few years back, a bunch of my friends were going to Bible college and um, we, a lot of us had felt like so insecure, particularly as females who were entering ministry um, that like we we wouldn't be seen or we wouldn't be given the same opportunities just because we don't have the same level of mentorship as our our peers who are men, um, and it's it's still a bit like that to this day. I, I would say that their uh, the their ratios aren't evened out, but the men are not to blame for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just in general is a lot more men in ministry men than they are women in ministry to mentor other women. So we felt like are we like are we is nobody going to see us or advocate for us? But um, James is for sure not that way. Mm-hmm. I think that he's done um, everything that he can to be supportive and empowering of everybody around him, men and women included. And mm-hmm. if um, if there's like an area that that goes beyond him, he he does his very best to find opportunity for other people. If yeah, if if they're if they're kind of getting kept out to some extent, so. 
so yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's been enlightening over the past few years. But I mean, I'm incredibly optimistic. And I, I can only speak from my experience um, at First Assembly, but I'm incredibly optimistic about where mm-hmm. the ministry opportunities for women there. And yeah. Yeah, I definitely have to second that with James Clarence. He um, always created a space for women to to step up and to lead or to minister. And I, mm-hmm. I speak that from that my own experience in that. And so super grateful. Thanks, James. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so you are... Um, a major creative you're very inspiring in your work that you do at the church like you make all the graphics and also social media and um yeah you are very talented at what you do and I'm just wondering is that something that was always in you or is that something that you one day decided to ex- like kind of step out into or is that just always how you've seen you see through art um yeah, that was definitely not always in me. Kind of surprised <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, yeah, I so I grew up, uh, I did a lot of music growing up, mm-hmm. um, music, music performance, a lot of acting. So my artistic or creative expression always came through the performing arts. Like that was what I knew. My siblings were athletes and I did performance. <laughs> and um, I remember I, I took one art class when I was in middle school and that's about it as far as it goes for most of my art education. Um, but I also really did like, uh, I liked uh, using like art, different types of artistic expressions to give people um, new experiences when it, when it came to different things. So I really love like events. I loved running events. I loved designing events, loved event planning. Mm-hmm. And I found that like, through how um, you design the event or creatively uh, put together the event, it can allow somebody to have a different experience of the event. Um, And so when I stepped into the role that I had in in youth ministry, most of it was just doing events, event planning, one to the next. And I I just found a a new outlook in which I could express myself creatively that I I didn't have before. Mm. Um, I also just like, I, I love the idea of finding different ways to uh, communicate and um, connect people through like, you know, non-traditional methods. And um, so I, I kind of dabbled in that with, you know, just making graphics for like promotions and, and things like that. And I was really surprised with myself. <laughs> much I enjoyed it like I would actually say Instagram stories were like my launching platform which sounds like <laughs> an absolute joke to say out loud but I literally remember like I was I loved it so much I would like spend hours just at home on the weekend sitting and just messing around with how I could move around word and text and gifts and all of that to make something beautiful to make just mm-hmm. a blank photo come to life and mm-hmm. and to communicate something in a different manner so that yeah, it's it's a very, very new thing for me. It's a very, very new um, expression for me. But mm-hmm. what I've learned throughout it is that we're all inherently creative beings and our expressions aren't limited to uh, what we necessarily feel like we're, we're good at. Like, I think that God is always doing something new um, when it comes to creating. And that's not limited to, like, what you were good at when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm like the, the art that you come out with is always like, so 
like beautiful and sometimes it catches me off guard and then sometimes I'm like, oh, that's beautiful or like this one's like I have to stare at it for a while and then I see it. Um, I'm just wondering like if someone presents you an idea, um, say an event, what's your process of like creating um, an image or a, a graphic to support that? Well, Do you like think about it for a while? Yeah. Do you? Um, I would say – yeah, well, for, for starters, I the the type of work I do is not fine art; it's design, so it needs right. to it needs to have a function and it needs to communicate something. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of what I have to I have to go off with for starters is what, what is it that this piece of art needs to fulfill or communicate? How it needs to function, um, and then once that's established, which I would say that's the easy part of it. Look, uh, the thing that you get to have a lot of fun with and that you can be very hit or miss is um, how to make that come to life. So you right. get the basics done, then how do you make it come to life so that it is attractive and intriguing to people? Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of years ago, I felt like I, I heard the Lord tell me that um, my my calling was actually to um, help restore uh experiences and things that people have experienced as um as wrong or perverted or not his intention and mm-hmm. help restore that and and in that in this season I felt like it particularly was with media um right. and you've heard all the facts about how much advertisements are blasted towards us like in a day's time and I, I think that a lot of pop culture has um has really like perverted the way that the Lord wants us to see things and see people mm-hmm. and objectify things. And I felt like God called me to uh, restore that. So in that, I knew that like, okay, what I make has to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the, the church is called to be, um, you know, this like indifferent sector where like the way we communicate things are are always going to be through flowers and crosses and birds and this and that. (laughs) I think that um, uh, who he's calling us to reach are the lost. So Mm -hmm. the way that we're going to reach them is by, by speaking their language in in a way that's sort of familiar, but he's really calling us to restore the way that they've they've seen and experienced things Mm -hmm. um, into a more uh, like pure and holistic way. And so because of that, I always try uh, when I'm creating something to do something that's indifferent from like what is uh, what is familiar to people, especially like in the church. Right. Um, so sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to do a cross just because we always do crosses. How is it that I can communicate this differently um, right. visually? And maybe it is using something that's a little bit more edgy and a little bit more out there. But how is it that we can make this purified and and restored for people mm. so that they they see it in a more, in a more pure way the way God intended, because nothing is new. Like Mm -hmm. everything that we're doing is not new to God. (laughs) Um, it it might be, it might be new to us to some extent, but it is, it is not new to God. We're just recycling what's been there from the beginning, even from a visual standpoint, we, uh, we just reusing the same materials, the same tools like we have from the beginning. So how can I continue to do that? But also, um, just help restore what people are, are seeing. So mm-hmm. I I always try to go for something a little bit different, push for something edgier. And I find that depending on who 
um, I'm, I'm working with on that project, it might, they, they'd receive it a little bit different. So like you mentioned yourself, um, sometimes it, it, it takes you like, you know, you need to give it a second look or it takes you a couple minutes to really right. like process it. And that is totally okay. Like art isn't mm-hmm. the beauty of the beholder. So I right. believe that the way you see it and the way that you interpret it um, could be different from the way that I read it. Um, and that, man, that is a joy that, that brings, uh, I think, art to life um, mm-hmm. is the fact that like we can all see something so differently. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> it's I so guess, good. <laughs> um, I always just try to push for something different to help so- somebody experience or see something in yeah. a different way than the usual. Yeah, and I like I have to say thank you to you because um, I don't know. I just think like uh, we can all get really used to the things that we see, um, <laughs> and then we have someone come along and like almost open our eyes into a different kind of form of beauty of something. And at first, it's kind of like a little bit foreign. But then as you like get familiar with it and you look at it more and you see things and um, I just think I just have to thank you because I do feel like my eyes have opened more to seeing the creative and um, and just seeing different forms, um, just art expressed in different ways. And I absolutely love it. I think it becomes more vibrant and you get so used to, like you said, seeing the crosses or the dove and all that stuff is good. But I just love that my eyes have been opened a little bit more to to something that's like, I don't know, God, it's so beautiful to see what God has put in you and how you're expressing it. And I, just for people who are listening, I also just want people to know how like you are very gentle and how you come across and explain what you're doing and the art that you're creating for others that are, might be a little bit kind of stuck in the old (laughs) or in the familiar. You're very gentle to include people in the process and, and share with them about like why you do it. And I think it helps us see, and you're very like pastoral, a hundred percent pastoral. And that's, um, and that's just something that you have like been really graced with and also give us grace as we, especially since I grew up in the church and I'm older, I'm just, I've seen a lot of crosses. So, (laughs) I believe. but yeah, you're doing like, I think you're, you do such a beautiful job and it's opening our eyes to see a different way. And that's beautiful. Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, I want to also get to another topic, which I love chatting about. Okay. Um, <laughs> so how's dating in the church, Angel? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? How's dating in the church? <laughs> dating. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm familiar. Oh, no. <laughs> like, for real. No, no just I was just around, I but... love talking to young women in the church about, because I just honestly got married just like last year. So um, I can completely answer these questions for you if you want, because I'm very familiar with them. But um, yeah, like what, what do you, do you think it's getting good? Do you think it's still kind of awkward? Do you, what do you think about it? Give me your honest thoughts. Wow. Well, my honest thoughts are, I would love to learn from you about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm lost, my friend. Like, oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I am. I'm lost. I guess my experience is probably very similar to many up in the church and maybe are, have foreign parents. So like, mm-hmm. you're not to look at a boy until you have a degree. Like <laughs> that's just how it goes. In my household, I remember a couple of, I think it was last year or the year before, um, James actually asked my mom to come and speak at a panel in youth during our love, sex and dating series. I think I remember that. Yeah. And, um, 
I found out on that panel that I'm actually allowed to date. <laughs> so, oh, that was so nice that she told me. So that was very new for me. Me and my parents would just, I remember when I was a kid, they always said, like, kids don't date. You don't date. So it's not something to talk about until you're 18. Mm-hmm. And I got to 18. And just that particular season of my life, I really knew I wasn't ready for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't even know where to begin as as far as what it would require of me, of my heart and my energy and um, just like very, very intentionally loving somebody else. I think that the dating is what can I get from this person? Like, mm-hmm. um, but just, you know, learning like the reverse of that and uh, why God called us to be with another person is, is more so what, what I, what I could give to this person, what me and this person could build together. And so I like I wasn't ready for it at all when I was 18 the conversation didn't come so I never knew that like I was allowed and so it's it's very new for me mm-hmm. do you think like um in the church do we give much attention to talking about it or do you think we kind of just keep it on the side like it's just something that's on the side or do we give it importance I think we give a lot of attention in talking about um marriage or family, mm-hmm. yeah, which are all really, really beautiful things. And I think that obviously most of the church is, at least in our church, most of our congregation are families. <laughs> so yeah. people that are married and that have kids and so on and so forth. So it's, it's very, very relevant to them. But there are some of us out here that are, are struggling and are a little bit behind and are trying to catch up, mm-hmm. but we don't always know how to go about it. I know that with being in youth ministry for so many years, we do talk about it a lot. It's just it's unavoidable with, with teenagers. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think that they don't realize is, okay, once you get older and you're actually looking for the man of God, your options are, are slim, right. <laughs> slimmer than you think that they might be like when you're in public school. Um, right. Or when all of your friends are using a dating app. Yeah. It's, Why do you think that is? Fun. Why do you think it's, there's not many, um, men around? Is it that uh, you're, are you speaking more about like maybe men that you're more attracted to or just in general for the uh, women? In the I church? do think a little bit in general, like you and I mm-hmm. looked at like church stats and it's always like 60% women, 40% right. men. So there, there is always more women than men in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, when I look at like my, my friend group, um, I would say that quite a few men are fractured. Mm-hmm. So there's more men that are married than they are that are single. Yeah. And I also, I, I think that in the church, we do come about dating much slower than we do in the secular world. Um, everybody wants to be friends first and really know the person first. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that actually goes a long way in allowing mm-hmm. you to feel more comfortable with that individual because of that, we also friend zone really quickly. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you you know, you take your time to get to know somebody um, and you guys become really good friends. But because you got to that friend area, it's really hard to think of them as anything beyond that. Yeah, I remember one time um, people who were trying to encourage me to start pursuing guys or whatever. Not that I wasn't, <laughs> but I was. But um, they'd be like, what about that guy? I'm like, oh, he's my friend. And then I would, they'd be like, what about that guy? I'm like, oh, he's just a good friend of mine. They're like, right. you know what? You have too many guy friends. It's, it's enough. You need to have like 
a boyfriend. Stop putting guys in like the friend zone. So oh, yeah. it is. It's very uh, it's easy to do. Um, do you feel like? Um, well, I know when I grew up, people were saying like um, you had to have like a sign from heaven that this thus saith the Lord. This is the one you should marry. So that kind of freezes you up pretty. Like you kind of feel frozen from making a move on anything. Do you feel like that um, statement is still active in the church as much as it was when I was younger? That is wild. I can't even imagine that. Oh, okay. So <laughs> like, the answer is no. <laughs> before you go on one date, like the Lord needs to show you a symbol. No, That's but a lot seriously, of pressure. that was honestly like the the heartbeat of that time regarding dating it really and that's why a lot of guys didn't ask girls out because they thought Mm -hmm. if I ask her out this means that we are getting married right right so does that still like kind of ring true today or do you feel like that's kind of like gone away I think that because um man if they really know the lord then playing around when it comes to dating they Mm -hmm. have full intention um to want a wife or to want a husband. So I think, I think because of, you know, going into all relationships or all romantic relationships with that type of mindset, whereas in like, you know, for the rest of the world, it's not always like that for them. Um, mm-hmm. There is a little bit of pressure off the get go. It's like, we're testing to see if you're wifey material. We're testing to see <laughs> yes. if you're hubby material. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a lot of pressure on, on both sides. But as far as like, yeah, like curious they're the one I haven't heard of it happening with people just going on like a couple of casual dates maybe like a few months into a relationship um yeah I do have quite a few friends who they just you know their relationship was progressing and they were getting closer and they were seeing the potential of being with this person long term and marriage and stuff and then um all of a sudden it 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 just it, it halts and it stands for whatever mm-hmm. reason that might be. And then they decide um, that I think this is, this is the end of our romantic relationship because we're not moving towards that direction anymore. Yeah. And they, they break it off for the protection of, of their hearts individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single time I've seen it be very, very mature. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, restore a lot of like, I don't know, I guess a lot of heart and a lot of dignity in the, in the individuals themselves. So mm-hmm. I think that the church has done that part really, really well. It's, it's very, very few times where I see really, really messy breakups that are, you know, not respectful or undignified right. to individuals or um, not ag- agreed upon on, on both, on both people. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's like the, this is the one person and all be all no. where the first date really happens much anymore. Gosh. At least for females, it doesn't. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that that's gone because it was such a, a really heavy weight um, to be under. <laughs> a lot of I can imagine. Yeah. Um, how are, I don't, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but I kind of wanted to touch quickly um, on how you are doing with current events that are happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you had such a good, is there something um, banging around? <laughs> I, can I, hear something. I do okay. hear it. We're on a podcast, so it's fine. You know what? People can listen past it. Um, okay. <laughs> how are you doing? I think you're somebody who actually has a lot of like great wisdom and you see both sides of things, but how are you, how are you doing today with all that's going on in the world? Yeah. Um, 
feel like I'm in a bit of a revolution. I'm like, you know, my 22 years of life, I've, I've never seen such an uproar and unification mm-hmm. of people towards like, um, you know, going towards something that like we believe has, uh, you know, like brought upon grief in our society and hurt so many people. And not just with the whole race of Corona. Like I think right. like, the world has, has just like learned to, um, to be unified towards certain causes that, yeah. that affect humans or other people. And these are exciting times for, mm-hmm. for a, a Gen Z or a millennial. Um, racism, like growing up in an African household, is something that we talked about on the regular, that my parents experienced on the regular. But I actually had a, a really different experience to them. And I always, I always thought it was because just some around a different generation like yeah you, you go to work and most of the people that you work with are white or of a different race and I go to school and most of the people that I go to school with are white or of a different race but why is it that you experience racism more than I do um mm-hmm. I really thought it was, generation was woke and we no longer um have really harsh prejudices on people of a different color just because we have so much more access to the internet and education that like we don't just inherit everything that we hear from our grandparents or our parents um Mm -hmm. and i think that even just within the past decade uh media has gone a long way to uh glorify the minorities or, or people that like look different um even as a woman i'm sure you've experienced i can imagine like for you growing up, most of like the magazine ads would feature women. Yeah. And whether it be, you know, through their, their skin color, their race or certain like facial features, eye colors, their mm-hmm. bodies. And it is not that way anymore. For yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not. And I, I feel actually a lot of the, um, a lot of companies that go for that traditional marketing strategy, actually they suffer more. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember telling my dad that I really do believe that like Gen, Gen Z's are gonna like annihilate racism. It is, mm-hmm. is not going to be a thing for their children and their families. And, uh, but I just throughout this season, I've really come to learn that there was a lot of things that I was also ignorant to. Um, and the fact that, uh, Racism is a sin, and a lot of us aren't, just because we feel like we might be a little bit more woke to it than another, does not mean that we have not stumbled on that sin. And, like, to be very honest with myself, that I have been racist in my life, even though I don't think that I I live with a racist ideology. Mm-hmm. There's things that I have I've said and that... um that have been uh, prejudiced in nature. And um, unless I acknowledge those and, and if I, so if I don't acknowledge it, if I don't repent of that, it'll, it'll like my kids will inherit it or or that thought process. So I think that like, regardless of what race you are, um, what country you come from, what nationality you are, like there's things that we all need to be repentant of. And even just within our own race, um, I remember this whole thing was, is really reminding me of, uh, an, an tribalism that happened. So, uh, it's, it's funny because I feel like in the Western world, when you meet somebody new for the first time, you would maybe ask them what they do. Um, and sometimes like where they come from, depending on, you know, where in America you are, 
Mm-hmm. But I know that in uh, uh, like the first is they're a part of. It doesn't mean that that's where they're from, but like ethnically, mm-hmm. what side they identify with. And there is a lot of prejudice or stereotypes affiliated with certain tribes, and you will pass judgment on those people stuff of what tribe they're in uh, before you even really get to know them. So I don't think any any racist is freed from from racism. I think it's something that we all need to become aware of and educate ourselves on and, and be repentant so that we could turn and we can look at people the way that God looks at them. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been really, really overwhelming, this, this whole thing. Like, um, yeah. I, I, I really grieve for a lot of black men um, in this season because I know I've, I've witnessed my mother experience racism in a different way that I, I could never say that I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even remember when my brother started driving, my dad, you know, explaining to him, like, what did she do if he ever got pulled over and this and that? And Honestly, me and my sister, my sister and I never got that talk. So those those things that like my parents knew that he was going to be subject to that the rest of us wouldn't. And a lot of the times I I just remember rolling my my dad and being like, it doesn't happen in Canada and, and this and that. But that's actually not true because I've, right. I've witnessed my father experience racism and I've witnessed my brother experience racism. And I've heard tons of stories from people like Jeremiah and mm-hmm. so on about um that they've experienced for other people about for the you know what to do with their color of their skin so like I've just I've been really repentant and just open to to learning and and hearing and 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 their rights and also just seeing like what is that I could do like where can I have influence over this how can I make this more more pure for somebody else for and I think that's Mm -hmm. all all we could really do is um go about bringing justice in the areas that God has given us influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are very fortunate to be in a free world where we can, we can advocate in our freedoms. It's not the same for a lot of people around the world. So yeah, true. Yeah. I was reading in Philippians the other morning about um, Paul talking about unity And he just basically, the one verse that really stuck out to me was um, in lowliness, lowliness of mind. So like in humility, always prefer, um, prefer others better than yourself. And I think that that's like such a good heart posture um, to approach every day with like, um, even just in your own home, because I think that's where it starts is in your home, like prefer the other person more than yourself. And then expand that to your neighbors, expand that to your workplace, expand that to your school, expand that to like just out and about. And that's, that's honestly what got, what Jesus did. And so I think that that's our, that's a verse for me, particularly that's really speaking to me in this, in this time, just preferring others more than myself. So meaning that's think, think of more, think of people better than yourself. Like think of them more, do something to elevate them. So. I love um, okay, so we are now at the 35-minute mark, which is really great. We could just talk for hours, it seems. <laughs> um, um, I always kind of wrap up with a few little fun questions. Um, you're not ve- okay. okay. You're not vegan. I'm vegan. Veg- no. Vegetarian. Not yet. Not yet. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> are you going that way so I have to make room for two vegan friends in my life? 
Oh man, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been I've been vegetarian for over a decade now, mm-hmm. and I definitely didn't think I would last this long. But um, I don't know, just as, as I constantly like reevaluate my lifestyle and uh, what I'm doing to contribute to the environment, and how also I'm like you know just nourishing my body so that it could be its best self and fully be you know a temple of the holy spirit um i just i'm I'm starting to realize that there's certain things in my diet that aren't as necessary but more so like okay i did try going vegan for one month and it was brutal not because i was eating that different like most of my meals were the same uh breakfast lunch and dinner but it was the i can't have cheese like i can't have chocolate I can't have this gummy worm. And those are the things that I, I indulge in. That's like the gluttonous in me. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, not, they're not necessities. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, as I'm like, as I'm really valuing things, I definitely think I'm becoming more and more plant-based. Okay. Um, yeah. Who knows? One day, but maybe not. Um, who's your favorite? Like, what's your favorite album you're listening to right now? That's a good question. Let me pull up my Apple Music. Okay. I know Angel is always up and up on the... Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I actually don't even know why I had to think about that. So if you know me, you know Mosaic. We come attached at the hip. So Mosaic is a new album called Human, and that is by far my favorite Mosaic. Probably the best album of the year for me. Okay, um, I will download it after this conversation. I love it. (laughs) What book are you reading? Uh, Right now I'm finishing Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I'm also, um, Mosaic is going through a series with Erin McManus's book, The Way of the Warrior. So just reading that chapter by chapter every week. Okay. What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Man, what do I do for fun? I think, I feel I like everything you do is for fun though. Actually, I, I feel like that's who you are. <laughs> yeah. I like, I feel really fortunate to have a life where like, I think the work that I do is very fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I would say one thing that I don't get to do so much in my work anymore that, man, just brings me so much joy is music. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID thing happened. My favorite things to do were also just to go see uh, musicals and, yeah. Yeah. Musicals and, and, and performances in theater. Yeah, you do love music. I, um, okay, so I, we're going to have to wrap it up because apparently you can't go longer than 30 something minutes for people listening to podcasts. That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not, but we'll make that rule. Okay. Um, yeah. So thank you for chatting. I just want everyone to know that Angel is, she is, I've seen this girl grow up into like the most um, amazing woman and she's still growing. And <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. You're so encouraging. Oh my gosh. I could go on and on, but I really do think you're, um, you're a sign and a wonder. I think you're really beautiful in the way that you approach life, the way that you see life. Um, you've taught me so much in the last couple of years and, um, yeah, I think you're somebody that I've realized that, you know, and you've talked to me about this before. You just like know details about people and you will investigate everybody, not in the idea to stalk them, but just to like, to know them. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, uh, so if she comes up to you and she knows about you, it's not in a weird way, guys. She's- I just love to know people. Yeah, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for chatting. 
Thank you for the opportunity, Angela. You're welcome. And I'm sure I'll see you today at some point. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Bye.